we present for your consideration a tale of two podcasts, both about blockchain, both targeting newbies, both started within three days of one another, both with at least one devastatingly handsome host. The Bad Crypto Podcast launched on July 18th, 2017. Matthew Aaron's Crypto 101 launched on July 21st, 2017. Coincidence? Or perhaps there are deeper forces at work. Forces that would have you believe that all the world needs to know about blockchain. Forces that want you to hodl. Forces that have convinced the world that Maroon 5 is good music. Today, we'll let Matt Aaron speak for himself and allow you to be the judge. It's the Crypto 101 meets Bad Crypto, episode number 248 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. All right, it's a meeting of the minds today on this special episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast, Crisscross Applesauce, where we're, we are going to welcome Matthew Aaron, the host of the Crypto 101 podcast to the show. That's true. I, I heard, Mr. Joe Carm, I heard that he has he has the moves like Jagger. That might be true. That's I don't true. know. Maroon 5, what, where did you get the inspiration for that? Was that I don't know. I, I think they're way overrated. I just wanted to hate on somebody and, you know, Adam Levy, especially after the Super Bowl thing, you know. You hate, you hate his abs, is that it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have abs like that, actually. They're just under about 25 pounds of fat, so you can't see them. I got flabs. Labs. Uh, you guys are going to love this interview, and we've got another McAfee Tweet of the Week uh, feature for you in just a moment. But first, want to give shout-outs to our sponsors, the good people at LinkedIn. You've heard of them. It's the social network for business. And if you want to make a hire for your small business, you want to get the best person for the job, guess what? They're probably on LinkedIn. They match you with quality candidates that make the most sense for your role. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard skills and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. LinkedIn knows what people are interested in to advance their careers. They know what they're looking for. So when you use LinkedIn jobs to hire somebody, your matches are based on so much more than a resume. You can't tell it just from the printed word. LinkedIn jobs matches you based on skills and background, your interests, your activities, your passions. They want to get you the most relevant qualified candidates for the role. That way you cannot waste time. You could focus on the candidates you want to spend time, time talking to and make sure that you get a quality hire. And if you post a job at linkedin.com forward slash bad crypto podcast, you'll get $50 off your first post. Go to linkedin.com forward slash bad crypto podcast, save 50 bucks and get an awesome hire. For sure. And maybe I would say this, if you are in the market looking for a job, I mean, there are all kinds of blockchain jobs available right now. I mean, I, I actually like looking at LinkedIn jobs app. They have a separate app and type in blockchain, blockchain marketing, like which companies out there are looking for some marketing help or looking for you know innovators in the space. And uh, I'll reach out to them occasionally and say, hey, Mr. Joel Kahn and I, we maybe have you on the show if you're a great project or whatever. But if you are looking for a job, that's a great spot. Oh, my God. And basically, if, if you don't have your LinkedIn profile up to speed, level it up. 
right? Look at other people in the space and see, you know, who's doing a great job. And then, you know, modify your LinkedIn profile, because if you're out there looking for a job um, or trying to hire people, you know, you want to make sure you you make yourself look as beautiful as possible, right? Indeed. Very true. And and who else we got? We got Digitex Futures uh, also as our sponsor, and they are a non-custodial commission-free futures trading exchange. What does that mean? Oh, my goodness. It means that you can trade futures at, at no cost, essentially, right? It's pretty handy. And they begin to uh, bo- onboard traders to the beta version of the platform. The public launch is not happening until Q2, but the beta version of the platform, I believe, has gone, has started. Over a million people in queue trying to get in on this thing. And so this is a revolutionary trading platform that's going to eliminate all transaction fees as well as withdrawal and deposit fees. Total game changer in the futures market as no other platform will allow traders to trade with zero fees. And uh, after they complete the beta version, uh, Digitex will roll it out to the public in Q2. And they have some huge ambitious plans for the rest of 2019. It's uh, one of those projects you're going to want to keep an eye on because the, the, the right exchanges out there are really doing great stuff. And this is a unique type of exchange that's doing some things in unique ways. So definitely want to keep an eye on this. You can go to digitexfutures.com, buy-dgtx if you want to get some Digitex tokens, or go to badco.in forward slash futures and sign up to get access to the beta. Sounds good. And let's get to our special segment, because he's wacky, he's weird, you never know what he's going to say. It's the John McAfee Tweet of the Week. (laughs) So here's this one. This uh, actually popped up on February 23rd, and and I'm not exactly sure what it means, and you might have some thoughts, Mr. Travis, right? But he said, for the crypto crowd, the rumors that a Twitter user with blockchain expertise has discovered a way to fork their followers are true everyone ignored me when i raised the alarm about the threat of follow forking now it's here don't ask me for help or advice you're on your own what does this mean i i what how do you fork your twitter followers and why would you well i would say this i don't know exactly what he means i've not heard of the follow forking but there is a problem with and i think this this is something a, a platform or some sort of um, service that will help in uh, eliminating the problem with these big social media sites where they are banning and deplatforming folks. And then once you get banned or deplatformed, you lose your audience. So maybe this is a way for you to curate your audience and save your audience uh, in case you get deplatformed, maybe. I'm not sure. Or at least it's backing it up and saying these are all the people who were following you or something. So it is maybe it's a scraping tool of some sort that is putting their usernames of people who used to follow you over here so you can reach out to them later if you get deplatformed. I'm not sure, but it sounds like something along those lines. If somebody can help us understand, then write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com because I'm fascinated by this idea and would love to hear. I, somebody asked McAfee what he meant, and he said, I'm too drug addled to reply. So he... <laughs> He didn't. Uh, he didn't really explain what he meant very by helpful. it. That was very yeah. helpful. Mm. Yeah. So thanks, John. Appreciate your tweets always. Yep. Yep. A- Speaking of helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What? Speaking of helpful. Um, you know what? When, when we started our show, we were like, we want to help people understand the cryptos, right? We want to help ma- help mass adoption because we're noobs. We don't understand it. Eighteen months ago, we we're very very new to the whole blockchain thing. 
And so on July 18th, July 16th, we decided to do it. July 18th, we launched it in 2017. And um, it seems as if we maybe were having some brainwaves um, crossed into the universe with Mr. Matthew Aaron in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's great host of the popular Crypto 101 show. And, you know, look, a lot of people are like, well, why would you have somebody from another competing show? We don't see it as competition. Like nobody does what Matt does the way he does it. Nobody does what we do the way we do it. And we think that there's enough room in in this space to have an abundance mentality. A rising tide lifts all boats. We're all on, you know, the same team as far as spreading the good news mm-hmm. of blockchain. And he had us on his show a uh, few few weeks ago you guys can go look at the crypto 101 feed for his interview with us which was extremely ludicrous and ridiculous and all kinds of amazing it was amazing also that and today uh we've got him here so you can get to know matthew so let's go ahead pollination Mm -hmm. let's jump into it and today we are pleased to welcome to the bad crypto podcast another cryptocurrency podcast host now we were crypto podcasting long 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 before this guy in fact i want to say we went live about three days before he did so suck it uh matthew aaron uh, host (laughs) and founder of crypto 101 welcome to the bad crypto podcast hey thank you for the amazing uh welcome there i appreciate that it's amazing (laughs) we'd love to insult our guests you know when they come in you know so so let's uh let's do the actual bio here matt is editor-in-chief of crypto 101 media host of the very popular crypto 101 podcast he's a vocal advocate for blockchain tech and cryptocurrency he's focused on educating the average consumer to the benefits and real world applications of blockchain tech matt what do you have against the less than average consumer or the more than average consumer well i, I couldn't put that all in the on the taglines so i'm trying to hopefully assume that everybody puts their self in there and, and we're, you know, we're d- d- directing the show just straight to everybody it doesn't matter who they are so okay so we're all kind of average basically we're all kind of average but we're special in our own ways too that's true hey, are you are you based out of taiwan i used to be but now i'm in san diego Oh, man, dude, San Diego, that's like pretty much the best climate in the world, I think, right? That's what they say, man. But this whole week we've been getting, it's rainy. It's around five degrees Celsius. Uh, damn it. What is that in Fahrenheit? I don't even know. I'm over, I'm over in Taiwan still with that. Right. We don't, we don't, we don't speak Celsius. So we never swear on the show. Oh, oh yeah, damn it. No, we don't, I, we don't never... talk about coins or anything. <laughs> that McAfee right, so... episode hurt my ears. <laughs> I know, right? We're oh going to talk God, about right? that. <laughs> We're true. totally going to get to McAfee in a little bit. But first of all, why don't we uh, do this chronologically? How and when did you go down the crypto rabbit hole? I first heard about crypto in 2013. And I was I remember this very clearly because I was listening to the Stuff You Should Know podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And they were doing an episode on how Bitcoin works. And I had a lot of, and I don't know if you heard my story, and I don't want to be a downer on the show, but I had a, a couple of things happen to me. But in 2008, I had a son, and he was born with a heart defect, and, and this is in southern China. And with that heart defect, we need to transfer money from the United States over to China in 2008 and to, to give him a heart surgery. To be, long story short, it was damn near impossible. The money did get gathered after about a week. Uh, it got sent, but it went to the wrong bank. And since we had all that delays, 14 days later, my son passed away because we were unable to get that heart surgery. So in 2013, when I heard this this uh, podcast, uh, Stuff You Should Know, How Bitcoin Works, it, the, everything just added up. It was like, okay, money. 
that I control, that I can send cross borders without regulation, without government influence, without banks interference. And I could have had that surgery for my son. So that's when I started, you know, thinking about Bitcoin and figuring out how it, how it worked. Um, but I never went down the rabbit hole per se um, until uh, 2017, early, I'm sorry, late 2016, early 2017, uh, when I started actually investing. And I always stayed out of Bitcoin because I never wanted to invest. I love the technology. I loved what it can do. That's what I want. That's what I need is a money that does what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it at the speed of life. But I didn't have that. And I was always scared to invest. But I started investing in 2016. And then that rabbit hole led to trying to get into cryptocurrency, trying to find the 101s, trying to go onto Reddit, trying to ask the questions of how do I use this? How do I you know, engage with this uh, new technology that I needed so bad in 2008? Nobody could have helped. And then here we are with Crypto 101, uh, three days after you guys put out your, your, your amazing podcast, Bad Crypto. I thought I was late to the game. I'm sorry. You, you know what? That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an amazing uh, story. Sorry to hear about the, the, the challenges with that, man. I tell you what, that's, uh, my heart goes out to you. It sounds like you've done a great job of rebounding and, and rebuilding and growing, and, and now you're out there helping others learn about the cryptos. So that's a, that's a nice, little, nice little turnaround. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, it was it was really hard for a time. Um, and but I when I saw the technology, when I saw blockchain, when I when I started getting into the space, you know, I think that we both can understand that this is the future of money. This is the future of transacting. This is the future of P two P. Anything. And so, I think that we probably are. And I'm going to put some words in your mouth. We were inspired by the same thing. Is we have to get out there and advocate. We have to get out there and speak for. I'm speaking for, like I said, the average consumer, uh, and trying to get that knowledge to them. And help everybody understand that we need this as a society. Yeah. Now, did you have a background in journalism or broadcasting or had you done a podcast before? I mean, what was the the thought process behind you going, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I want to call it Crypto 101. And here we go. What, what was the what was that process leading up to that? I just love podcasts. I did have a podcast before. It was called China MSG when I was based in uh, Shanghai. And it was basically on all things uh, China, uh, if it was, you know, politics or, or governance or, you know, just day to day life of an expat living in Shanghai. But podcasting and audiobooks is the way I like to learn, the way I like to, you know, take in my information. I, I just think it's uh, an amazing medium. You know, you can put them on, you can do different things, wash the dishes, clean your house, go, go to work, sit at your office or whatever you do during the day, fix your car. You can have that information being beamed straight into your head without, you know, taking time out of your, your normal schedule, your normal day. So I love podcasting. And I just wanted to make sure that I use the medium that people can that, that, you know, people can engage in learning about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in a way that, you know, allows them freedom as well to not just stop their whole life as well. It's like, whoa, I know Kung Fu. You, you, uh, <laughs> exactly. you wash dishes? I absolutely do, man. I, I don't like dishwashers. I love just washing them by hand. Nice. It's kind of like that Zen moment. You just kind of get in the, the groove there and, and talk about it. Okay. So I want to know, you know, I think because we both started around the same time, you also rode that first wave of, you know, through crypto hysteria and excitement. And how surprised were you to see just how many people were listening to your show? It was insane. Um, I remember that I put out the I was recording that first episode sitting on my bed holding a microphone <laughs> and I re recorded uh, the intro and and uh, Coinbase uh, how Coinbase 101 and how Coinbase works 101 uh, from sitting on my bed just hanging out uh, just relaxing and then when I kept kind of kept on going I remember I, I waited probably about 48 hours for my first listen and then you know it popped up to 10 and then it popped up to 100 and then after 100 
uh, people started reaching out to to us and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we like what you're doing. We like your show. Uh, can we help out Crypto 101? And so the first person that reached out was a guy named Kyle. And Kyle helped me, you know, get my uh, Twitter together and my Instagram and what have you and started make, making more of a, a brand out of Crypto 101. And, you know, we just started getting this like little community together to help push, you know, Crypto 101 forward. And it was so unexpected, man. I, I didn't even know. And then I guess, I guess, you know, since I'm not used to this, like you guys are, I was always a little self-conscious about the whole thing, you know, a little nervous going in there. And now that I saw that, you know, there were thousands of people, tens of thousands of people listening to Crypto 101, you know, and uh, I was like, man, I really have to give them a good content. And I hope that, you know, we keep giving them good content. I did talk about I want to talk about China a little bit. Right. So you you lived in China. For one, how long did you live in China? Then you moved to Taiwan. Now, did that have any bearing in your understanding of blockchain and of crypto? And then, you know, do you speak Chinese? And if so, maybe what do you think about what's going on in the Chinese ecosystem around crypto? That's I was I moved to China in 2014. So I was there from 2014 until 2016, 17. So quite quite a little bit of time. And then I was in Taiwan for two years. China is, China is, what's the word? I saw China from 2014 transform into a very closed society. Uh, when, we were, when I moved to China, everything was open. You know, you had your Facebook, your Googles and what have you. And as an expat using these mediums to get out of China, to talk to my mom via, um, I think it was what, MSN Messenger back in the day, where you could video still with the MSN Messenger or Hotmail or whatever it was. We saw these things just getting slowly picked off, you know, and, and closed down. And China, by the end of it, when I moved to Shanghai, you really need not, not only did you need a VPN to do anything outside of China, it was so slow and slow limiting that you didn't really learn about the outside world or what's happening or be able to engage in it in any kind of efficient manner. So it was almost like dead to you. So when I moved from China to Taiwan, it really opened up the whole ecosystem of blockchain, of everything, of social media. I haven't used Facebook. I'm sorry. I did use Facebook. I haven't used Twitter or Instagram or anything when I was in China. I know my first Twitter account, my first Instagram account was just, you know, about a year and a half ago when I got out because it was just that controlled. And if, if you even were able to get in, it was just so slow and inefficient with hashtags and, and ads and stuff like that, that it just made it pointless to try to use it. So getting outside of China was when everything opened up for, for me. And that's Moving outside of China was what really made Crypto 101 happen is the access to, you know, the, the free Internet and, 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 and everything. Mm. I want to ask, I want to follow up on that then. So, you know, it's what I find is so interesting about China and is and I have some friends that live in China and we were having some conversations with other folks who, who have been in China recently is that they don't even know people in China. Most of them don't even realize that there's this social credit system going on in China right now where your actions online, the things that you search for, the things that you say, you know, it's, it's sort of like that Black Mirror episode um, where they have that credit score. I think it's called Nosedive or whatever. And yeah, it's, like dive, a, yeah. it's like a real life thing that's going on in China. And now there's, uh, there's uh, 17 million people who can no longer ride on trains and over 6 million people who can no longer fly. And like, was that something that was that, that was the, the beginnings of that? Were you sort of noticing that they're kind of clamping down on information more so and they're, they're creating this authoritarian sort of dystopia over there? You know, they started clamping down. They've always been clamping down um, and it, it just never stops. And I think that it's a, a very slippery slope that they're on uh, that, you know, they look at different things. And I, I, I personally 
I personally believe it's, you know, just protectionism uh, of their own industry. Uh, They don't want Google there to compete. They don't want Facebook there to compete. They have their own Facebook. They have their own Twitter. They have their own, you know, Insta and all these other things. So they don't need, they don't want the Western companies uh, in there because they have 1.5 billion people that they can service. So why have their, uh, this, this competition? So I think they're closing down for competition, but at the same time, yeah, they are creating a very closed uh, society. Um, I was not there for the social credit uh, that was actually released probably about a year ago. I was already in Taiwan, but it, it is it is a kind of it, from our point of view, it's very a scare, it's very scary. With that said, being or living in China and and living in the rural uh, asp- areas of China and in the cities and what have you, what China is doing for China itself is you know moving a, a, a lot of people out of poverty, a lot of people into you know uh, current times, you know that you know Mao really uh, did a number on the country, um, and there's a huge divide between education and and culture and uh, language and um, you know. Uh, different things that they really want to try to, you know, homogenize within the Chinese society. And I think that, I think that there's many different ways to go about trying to uh, make a a more uh, stable and and same or like kind society. Um, And I think that they're just kind of taking it too far. Um, But at the same time, China has very, very real and very um, unique problems uh, that, that they have to try to address. And I think that, you know, this is a very, I, you know, Chinese way to, to do it is with these social credit systems. Uh, how do you get, how, how do you stop people from spitting on the train? How do you stop people from, uh, you know, doing these maybe behaviors that are not acceptable in, you know, big cities or society or something that they, when China wants to take the lead of the world, you can't, ha- you can't go to Shanghai and see half the people acting one way and half the people acting, you know, a way that's more uh, internationally acceptable. So how do you how do you change people from, you know, you know, and this goes to jaywalking and crossing the streets and and, you know, and, and setting up, you know, makeshift, uh, you know, uh, businesses without, you know, uh, that you maybe not be following the certain, you know, health guidelines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they have really real problems with one point five billion people, which is five times the size of the United States population within, within the same area, land area of the United States. So they're trying, but it is a slippery slope, and they I think they might be going too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that censorship stuff doesn't keep coming into America because it seems like it seems like, all right, let's test it all out here in China, and then we'll we'll move it on to the other parts of the world because we're already seeing social media sites here. You know, like uh, early on in the game, bad crypto got you know banned from YouTube, and even though we had no strikes against us, and uh, we basically had a video that showed, uh, Coinbase it showed our users how to get their ten dollars free on Coinbase. Somebody reported it. They shut down our Twitter or they shut down our Gmail. They shut down our YouTube. They shut down our Google Drive. We were able to get our Google Drive and Gmail back, but that was that was crazy. Also, Apple, you know, about a month ago, they they took us offline for a few days because they thought we were keyword stuffing, you know, blockchain and Bitcoin, basically in our title. And they didn't even tell us they shut us down. So it's just one of those things. It's like there's so much control with these big social media sites that, you know, all these creators are creating platforms and or they're using these platforms to create their own brand and they're building their own audience. And then these social media sites can just sort of can, can take that away. Is that something that you've seen? Have you seen any, you know, other blockchain solutions that are that are maybe uh, that you've because you you talked to a lot of people on your show. Have you seen any interesting blockchain solutions that are maybe solving some of that social media and censorship stuff? I haven't seen any that uh, is actually worth this grain of salt or weight in salt right now. Uh, but actually, I have a question for you because I I I, I really like the the. The, the line of questioning here when it comes to freedom of speech and, and what have you. Um, but I think there's two different kinds of uh, free, freedoms that we're talking about. In China, it's very obvious. You have the government saying, this is what we're going to do. There's no hiding it. 
In the U.S., you have companies saying, oh, we're going to take this down because of, of their terms and conditions and their policies. And you know, then the, the argument is from the American point of view, you say, you say, um, oh, well, they're a private company. They can do what they want. But then again, that what they're doing with their want in this utility that we're using as our means of communication or means of expression of our of our speech is privatized. How do you how do we rectify that in, in the U.S.? Right. That that is a challenge. And now, you know, uh, the question is, are the social media giants the new town square? Right. Mm. Where freedom of speech applies. This is a new beast that we've not encountered before. And I think with them pushing to one side, they're pushing too far. And, in, you know, in China, communist rule, um, you know, they do what they want. But here in America, there is major pushback. And I think one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to see regulation and legislation around, you know, what freedom of speech means in the social town square, which mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of regulation, period. I would rather see people self-regulate. And the self-regulation comes when um, there's disruption. And we are starting to see other solutions that could be the place that people go. At some point, uh, if they don't self-regulate, they're going to push too far. And in that too far moment, they're going to experience a mass exodus to a platform that will welcome them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a matter of time before that takes place. So I think that that's the beauty of, you know, uh, the free markets and uh, living in America where uh, people have a choice. That's a, that's a very good. I, I agree with you. Uh, but in the meantime, what, what, are, what is being lost? What is being lost by the censorship and how is the politics, how is the, the governance, how is the decisions being made, being manipulated by this, the censorship right now and to to the future? I mean, is, this is actually detrimental if it's uh, affecting elections, if it's affecting uh, the way that people are perceiving news or getting their information. Yeah, it is. Well, people, you know, look, there's always been deception, right? There's always voices that will try to deceive you and tell you uh, a, a lie that they want to make appear is truth. And it's really, you know, as individuals, we need to learn how to consume content and ask questions and become free thinkers. You know, whenever I see a headline, um, if it's something that I like, my first inclination is to go, yeah, because those guys suck. But then I stop and I go, what's the real story here? And I think that the trust in mainstream media is even lower than most politicians, you know, term mm -hmm. in America. So I think people are very skeptical. There are some that still turn on their TV night after night and go, oh, look at that. That there's in the news. You see what that person <laughs> said? And I hate to talk like a, a bit of a hick when I do that, but I think that's just the mentality that, you know, uh, we we go to. Um, and I lived in the South for 20 years, so I could put on that thing if I want to and can't nobody say nothing about it. Um, but a lot of people still believe what they're spoon fed. They believe what is written in the mainstream papers and in the on the news, but more and more are waking up and they're not trusting. They're seeing the major faux pas, the huge errors. And uh, then, of course, the retraction is published at the bottom of page, you know, 32 somewhere mm -hmm. because uh, they don't want to be embarrassed by just how poor they have acted as so-called journalists. But we 
are the journalists of today. When you look at what social media has provided and the opportunity for us to create content, you know, no camera can get on the scene for something that's happening faster than somebody who's already there. Right. And that's what we're seeing happen. We are modern journalists. No, we might not have journalism degrees, but if, you know, if we're not actually being journalists in, in the mainstream media, as many of them aren't, there's just a lot of political hacks and partisans, then uh, I, I trust more what I see from the regular man on the street than I do from uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, PBS, NPR, any of them. What do you think? Mm. I not to toot our own horns, but I Go think ahead, that you toot, know, toot uh, the, we're, we're going to toot the toot. heck out of that horn. We're going to toot some horn here. Wrong horn. Oh, wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> no, but looking at that and looking at the mainstream journalism, I think that the great juxtaposition that we can take right now is with the crypto space. Is we see the the way that the mainstream journalists go and approach the crypto space. If it's uh, 2017 in December, then they're all about it. And then if it's going down a little bit, you know, it's the end of the world. Everything's dead. You're, you've been scammed. It's a Ponzi scheme. And it's the people like uh, the Bad Crypto Podcast, Crypto 101, and everybody else in the space, the, I guess you want to say cowboy journalists that are here that's actually <laughs> moving the space forward. That I think that when, when in five years we look back on this, it in the journalists are finally, you know, trying to, you know, cover this, trying to be somewhat fair or somewhat, you know, impartial to just tell what's going on in, in tech as, as they would do to like, you know, the new iPhone or what have you. Um, they're going to it's all going to be built on this movement of this social media journalism that the Bad Crypto Podcast is doing, the Crypto 101, everybody else in the space that is going out there to talk to these people that are building the tech, that is taking the personal risk, that is putting their money money where their mouth is and 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 building something for the future. I want to I want to ask a, a little follow up on that is that or just it's sort of like this It's like one of the things that we've always talked about on Bad Crypto is to do your own research, right? Don't take our word for for face value. Do do your own research on it. We're going to give you the seeds to begin your research, right? And I would also say the same thing for the news because the news companies are a business. They are driven by traffic. And it's not like the olden days where you'd have Walter Cronkite and Edward Moreau and those guys that are just so, you know, those epic old-timey guys, which I don't even remember because they're so old, but it's like <laughs> those those are, I mean, I remember Walter Cronkite because I'm, you know, I'm in my forties, right? He was one of them. Yeah, and, and and so, but but back in the day, it was not driven like it is today. It's all about sensationalism. It's like, what are you going to have your base fired up about? What's what's the you know outrage of the day? What's going to make everybody angry? And so they're not necessarily sharing the news. They're sharing their version of the news and their edited version of the news to get people riled up about their causes. And that's one thing that excites me about blockchain is that things can be verified. Things can be, you know, can, can we have all these independent researchers out there, you know, especially if you saw what happened in the 2016 election. I mean, especially when WikiLeaks came out, people, there is, there is a whole subset of people who are going out there going to do that, do, do due diligence and do that research and, and share what they find and, and dive down those rabbit holes. And when we get to the point in society where those people are silenced, that's when we're going to have a problem. And I think that that us when doing podcasts and us sharing our knowledge and sharing the truth, that's what's going to help move us forward as a civilization so we don't get caught in that trap that China's in. 
I, I think the problem is when you can't tell the difference between a mainstream news headline and an article from The Onion. When when mainstream <laughs> has out-onioned The Onion, uh, then you got to say, wait, what in the world has gone wrong? I mean, really, BuzzFeed? People actually go to BuzzFeed for news. That It may as well be The Onion. Crazy stuff. All right, we're going to flip this interview back because that was a great question, uh, Mr. Matthew Aaron. But um, I'm going to ask you a question now. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, we mentioned John McAfee earlier on, and uh, certainly he's super entertaining uh, to, to have. We've had him on episode 100, 200, and now I think we've established something. We're going to have him on, you know, if he'll be back every 100 episodes as long as he's alive or, you know, not somewhere so deep not arrested. Uh, even then, maybe we'll get him from prison. But I'm curious, of all the people you've interviewed, apart from John, who have you found to be the most interesting and or entertaining? You know, that's a that's an amazing question. Um, I do you hear that? Love- that's right. That was not just a great question. That was an amazing question. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that you've asked an amazing question before. So suck it. <laughs> no competition, huh? Um. That 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 is a that is an amazing question though because of you know you're at over 300 episodes I'm a little over 200 episodes we've talked to a lot of people in the space a lot of people outside of the space brilliant people people way smarter than me for sure and I I, I like I liked them all I liked them all from the different ways that they're coming into it my, some of my favorite interviews some of the people favorite people that have been on the show. We're the listeners, the listeners that come up and say, you know, this is what I'm doing in the space. This is how I got in. I, we've been listening to you. They've been listening to bad crypto. They've been listening to these different mediums and they decided to take the plunge and go into the space or they tell us about their their, you know, real life, you know, struggles. They, they say, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck, but I put a little bit away to make buy a little bit of uh, Bitcoin or I listen to your podcast and it's inspired me to make my own podcast. Those are the amazing interviews that I really like to get on the show. And when it comes to big people, um, you know, like the McAfee or, you know, CZ Zhao or, or Fluffy Pony or what have you, they all bring in their own genius because they're brilliant people. You know, they're brilliant, brilliant people that are very professional at doing this, taking their message and putting it out there. And when they came on the show, um, they just, you know, blew my mind of what they're what, what they're trying to uh, communicate. There were some highlights for, from different ideologies, though. Uh, wrong, Mr. Rong Chen from Elastos, uh, his idea of of you know making of of making uh, basically owning private keys to your internet to making internet more of more secure is, is just is honestly mind blowing. I would love people to you know go listen to what he has to say about Elastos because I think it's going to change your idea of how the internet should work. And some um, people like um, Hazim Al Nakib uh, from. Uh, I don't even know if he's still working for that company. I've talked to him for a while, but we've had about um, four four podcasts or episodes together, just about different ideologies in the space. And those those two were were really amazing because of just the way that they look at the world, and they made me look at the world a little differently. So I, I don't know if there's an actual favorite, but if I was just t- thinking off the top of my head, it's just the people who make me look at the world differently or allow me to understand what the average com- person or consumer is doing in the space, and allow me to basically get motivated and fire up to keep making the show. Mm. That was the wrong answer. The right one was the one with Joel and I on your podcast. That was your favorite. <laughs> I want to I want to ask about this because, you know, there's been such an evolution in blockchain over the last 18 months, right? We saw this huge wave of ICOs. We saw these huge amounts of huge amounts of different blockchains that have popped up, and now we're starting to see dApps become more more powerful and more relevant. 
Um, you know, now there's a website called DAP Radar that uh, that we've recently checked out, and it shows all the different DAPs, the most popular DAPs, the one with the most people on it, DApps, right? Uh, um, and uh, and so what's interesting to me is that Ethereum, the first DApp on Ethereum doesn't pop up down until like the 40s, but we see EOS and we see Tron with all kinds of DApps. Now, is that something? Is is have you gone down the the uh, the DApp rabbit hole a bit? And because it looks to me like for for blockchain gaming companies, it's the early days. There's some new interesting stuff that's happening with blockchain and games and DApps and stuff. And wanted to maybe get your perspective on what you're seeing. Well, honestly, I haven't been down the rabbit hole yet, but I do know that there's companies I've been talking to that are moving and migrating off of Ethereum to EOS and different platforms so they can start building on them because of the, uh, say, uh, scalability issues that e- or F- Ethereum was having or ha- is having. Um, yet, you know, there's never there's not the right platform yet for some of these companies when I've been talking to them. They don't like the the governance of EOS or, you know, the scalability of, of Ethereum or, you know, different aspects. Um, so but when it comes to dApps, I haven't been down that rabbit hole, but I am planning to go down that rabbit hole because we are creating a new YouTube channel called Crypto Product Reviews. And we are going to be reviewing all of these hard wallets and, and you know, physical products and dApps and applications or whatever that are being uh, use or using the blockchain or being developed for cryptocurrency. So I'm excited to go down that rabbit hole. That's great because we're starting a YouTube channel called Better Dap Reviews. Oh, and so, oh wow, look yeah. at this. 101, yeah. Better Dap Reviews 101. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, you uh, also, when you interviewed us, we discovered something about your show that we did not realize. You ask all of your guests what three songs they want to add to the crypto 101 spotify playlist and uh so you've got to talk talk about your playlist i really like asking people their their music preferences or what they're thinking or what they're listening to right now because i think music is something that we all can that brings us all together so it doesn't matter if we're talking about one project or one ideology or having certain people on the show when they tell you the songs that they're listening to and they can share that to you know the listeners or whoever else it, it is it's a unifier and i think that blockchain and cryptocurrency is all about that it's about bringing people together it's about you know wiping out these borders and transferring funds and money and and creating you know more of a, a, a control of your data and there's so many things that blockchain is doing but the first thing that it is really doing for everybody it's unifying and that's i think everybody's biggest goal is to unify that we all are in the same boat we all have the same problems we all have you know the same wants in our lives we want to be happy we want to you know take care of our families we want to be close to each other and i think when i ask those questions uh, about what songs you're listening to it's a way for people to you know put in their pocket uh, listen to what McAfee is listening to or CC Jow or Fluffy Pony or or Joel Com and Travis Wright you know see what they're listening to and just go hey you know what I listen to that too. I I I love that song, and I, I I resonate with them in a different level than just you know the interview. Let's all join hands now and sing. <laughs> Kumbaya, my lord. Very good. That's the song. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's so nice. So, so you also not only do you have you know crypto one hundred and one, you also have ICO one hundred and one, which is another part of your guys's uh, your your platform. And Aaron Paul is the the host of that. How'd you get him away from Breaking Bad and doing movies? It was very, very hard. Well, they, actually, the show is over. Oh, you know more. So he, he, he was hard up for that's money, true. man. That's true. So are you still, I mean, so so with the ICO craze kind of going, you know, right? Not as many companies doing that now. How How is that show going? Are you guys able to still kind of go through? Is it, is it maybe STO 101 now? 
That's that's uh, that's funny. Actually, we actually discussed that STO 101, but we actually pivoted ICO 101 and we're we're starting to record a whole new way of looking at ICOs. And this is actually for ICOs, not to have them on the show to talk about their their shows or talk about their projects, but to have an, a show dedicated to people who want to get in the space and build in the space. So what we're having is we're having uh, either lawyers or designers or people who are building brands and these professionals that have built brands or, you know, or it, it, whatever experts in, the, in their field, we're making a show for people who want to come into the space or build something new and still calling it ICO 101, but it's not for the, the, uh, the, the ICOs to showcase their projects, but maybe for them to listen to the show and maybe get a hand of how to do it better. Um, because in my opinion, a lot of the ICOs didn't do it well. Um, and they just basically had uh, their basic business or operations uh, knowledge or branding knowledge or community engagement abilities were just lackluster or non-existent. And they just tried to, you know, raise money. Uh, don't think that thought that they were going to make a, a, the new uh, DAP or, or thing on the blockchain. And it was going to be very easy. Well, of course, a lot of them raised money. <laughs> and someone ran off with the money. But do they really want to be successful? Do they really want to, um, you know, make a great company? Although, Let's see if we can make a show to bring experts in to, you know, help uh, myself and others uh, learn how to do that better. So, Matt, when do you think uh, Lambo and Moon, what's it going to take for this market that we're in right now to reinvigorate and make the move back upwards to the, the next all time high? Or will we ever see those kinds of highs again? The having. That's it, man. It's the having. I think that the whole the whole last uh, Lambo phase was all because of the, the Bitcoin having. Uh, Litecoin's gonna be having here uh, later in the summer. Uh, I I don't think that's gonna show much much movement. Um, but when that Bitcoin halves, I think that's when we're gonna see it. And if we don't see it, then I think we really have to assess what is the next uh, catalyst for mass adoption and how we're gonna drive that forward. Well, you know, we just covered a story here in a recent bad news that somebody analyzed all of the the crypto bull markets and they determined that a year before the having is when that bull market starts uh, on mm -hmm. anticipation of it. So if that's true, what are we we're looking at June for things to get fired up? Well, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. That'll bring our numbers back up and a lot more people in the crypto space. And we're going to hold at a at a higher high or is, what is it a higher low next time. Cool deal. Hey, is there any other stuff that uh, you'd like to chat about before we head out? No, man. I just want to say thank you very much for having me on your show. It was good to get to know you guys on my show. It's great to be on your show. Crypto101podcast.com is the website. Matt's got a book at book.crypto101podcast.com. Go check it out. And thanks again, Matt. Stay bad, dude. All right. Thank you, guys. See you later. Mr. Travis Wright, I feel so cross-pollinated right now. You know, it's good. I look at it like this, Mr. Joel Kahn. We are all brothers and sisters in arms uh, when it comes to trying to make the world a better place, trying to help crypto get mass adoption, helping people understand it. What does it mean? The decentralization of all of these centralized companies. And Mr. Matthew Aaron is out there doing the same thing. So we are kindred spirits. And so, you know what? Got nothing but love for the guy. Absolutely. Good stuff. And we, we got to meet him briefly face to face at ETH Denver as well. It was brief. I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time with him, but we'll have to uh, do that again. 
we're going to be in Austin for South by Southwest. The Bad Crypto Meetup takes place on Saturday, March the 9th, around 6 o'clock at a location to be disclosed. You'll, If you sign up, um, you'll get an email 24 hours before letting you know where. But go to badcode.in forward slash hard fork if you're going to be at Austin at South by and come hang out with us. And if Mr. Travis Wright wants to take you out back and light up, then that's up to him. We will not tell the police that. Because that never happens in Austin. <laughs> well, I don't ever bring any with me, so somebody may be able to bring some to me. I don't, just, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't travel with that stuff. That's that's foolish. Yeah, that would. Be although good. one time I did, although one time early on in the crypto or early on in the vape game, I did uh, try that on an airplane, and I'll never do that again. Not because of the legal ramifications, but because it made my ear the pressurization of the plane and the smoking, like it, 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 my right ear would not pop for like four days, three or four days. It was the most annoying thing. You're trying to chew, you're trying, uh, and you just get those weird echoey sound. Oh, never do that again. The Bad Crypto Podcast, now with more banter. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, follow, review, any of those things we appreciate. And of course, we appreciate you for listening and being the very best in the world at staying bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.